We might start the new year with good intentions, but if we're being honest, the reality is less than impressive. Next month at Seacoast, we'll take a look at four core issues that lie at the root of most of our daily activities. We believe if we can think differently about the core, the rest of life will fall in place. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. I hope you're having a good time. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from an off-site campus or on the internet or in one of the other uh, rooms here at the Long Point campus. We're glad that you guys are, are here too. How many of you would rather be here than sitting in Green Bay, Wisconsin, watching a football game, less than zero degree temperature. How many of you are glad you're here today, all right? How many of you are glad you live here rather than Green Bay, Wisconsin? And in Green, Green Bay, go, somebody said go pack. Yeah, I just, I hope you just like them from a distance. I'd like to welcome those of you online from Green Bay. We just love you and uh, you should move here. It's nice here. Well, now that we've insulted all of the Wisconsin people, we, uh, listen, what, what would you do if you knew exactly how much time you had to live? What if you knew exactly how much time you had to live? What would you do? Would that make a difference? Would that change anything? So I found this company that, um, actually is creating a watch. It's called Ticker, T-I-K-K-E-R. It's on Kickstarter. If you know anything about Kickstarter, it's kind of a crowdsource financing thing. Some companies kind of start up new projects that way, and it's on there right now. And this is a watch that um, what you do is you answer a series of questions. You know, uh, how old are you? How much do you weigh? What's your height? Do you smoke, drink, all this kind of thing? And then what, what they do is um, they, it predicts the date of your death, okay? I mean, exactly, down to the month, the, the week, the day, the hour, the minute, the second, all right? And then, and then what it does is it calculates it kind of backwards. In fact, I think we've got a, maybe a picture here. Uh, it, like, here's mine. Uh, I'll live 43 years, 9 months, 12 days, 14 hours, 5 minutes, 33 seconds. In other words, I'd be 101, 102 years old and just hardy as, that's actually not me. That just says the, that's the standard thing. And so it calculates that. And so what it does is uh, you look at the watch and you get not only today's time, but you get how much longer you have to live. Not so much. Huh? So I, I found another place on the internet, and they call it a death clock, and they ask the same thing, and you can put this little clock on the screen of your computer, and it gives you, breaks it down into seconds, and so I'm sitting there watching as the seconds tick off like this until I die, and it's supposed to be motivational. It's like, it's like this will help you, this will help you to do what you need to do. Uh, Job 14, verse 5. You, God, have decided the length of our lives. And you know how many months we will live. And we are not given a minute longer. 
apparently, God has an hourglass of our lives. This is from my preaching. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. We'll go no longer than that. God has an hourglass. He has a timer that says these are the grains of your life. And this is how long it will be. And your days are numbered. So whatever you're going to do with your life, you better get on with it because time is running out. Now, if you're not doing anything with your life, it really doesn't matter how long you have to live or how many days are left. But there's there's a more immediate question to me, and that's this. What are we going to do with this next year? What are, what are you going to do with 2014? Will it be any different at all than 2013? How many of you would like it to be better than 2013? Anybody here? I, I was somewhere this week, and I, I sat down with a lady, and, and she began to pour her art out and tell me about 2013. And uh, I just, just really felt with her for what was going on, the various circumstances that her and her family had gone through and the, the challenges and some of those types of things. And she was just pleading, me, pleading for me actually to pray for her that this next year would be better. And as I, I thought about that, I thought, you know, there are going to be challenges this next year for her and there will be for me. Uh, there, there are going to be some changes that have to be made. There, there'll be choices. And it was a tough year. And for some people in our church, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends this morning, saying, in in our crowd today, there will be some of us that our days, literally a doctor has told us, here's the number on your days. Now, all of us know intuitively that our days are numbered, but for some of us, that that number is is out there. There are some of us that in this past year, we we found out something like that. Or maybe there, there were family issues that were disappointments or losses or failures. Well, here's the good news. Today, wherever you are, we get to start over. God brings life in bite-sized chunks. And for whatever reason, the first of the year is like a clean slate. And so the question that we have is how will this year be better than the last one? Or maybe the one before that. And and I'm going to tell you, I think there's one word, uh, actually a phrase, uh, that will help it to be better. and, And that's this. You need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. Just to say, I hope it will be better. You know, I'm really hoping that this year will be a better year. It's just not enough. There needs to be a plan. Proverbs 17 and verse 24 says this. An intelligent person aims, circle aims, will you do that? An intelligent person aims at wise action. But a fool starts off in many direction. An intelligent person aims, they've got a target They're aiming at. A fool just goes in a lot of directions. So let me ask you, have you set any targets for 2014? What are you aiming to do this year? Say, well, you know, I hope it's going to be the best year ever. Well, I I do too, but we need to do more than hope. We've got a plan. And so over the next four years, four years, four weeks, how about let's do it in four weeks rather than four years. (laughs) We've got a four-year plan that we're going to cram into four weeks. How's that? Over the next four weeks, I'm excited about it because we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about building up what matters most, strengthening 
your core. Four areas that we all need to make progress in. We're going to talk about four areas that if, if, if we can nail this, if we can get a plan in these four areas, then probably we'll, we'll go forward rather than backwards in 2014. The first one is spiritual, and I'll be talking about that a little bit this week. We'll also weave it into all of them. Then financial, if we can have a financial plan that works for each one of us. In fact, finances are, are the source of more heartache than anything else in our marriages, in our individual relationships. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, relational and socially, uh, plans for that. And also uh, plans uh, physically uh, in what we can do uh, physically in this next year. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about those things uh, just a little bit. But today I want to just give you a quick overview. Well, oh, let me also say we have a devotional study that we've made. And uh, we pass these out at uh, in our Christmas Eve services at all of our campuses. If you didn't get one, I think they have them at the information table. They're also online. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be online at Uversion. Uh, I'm not sure that that has happened quite yet, but I do know that you can go on the Seacoast website uh, where the message archive is after today, and you can get this online, a PDF version uh, of just kind of an individual uh, devotional. Some people are doing it together, which is great, but it's, it's created for you individually uh, over the next uh, few weeks. Today, an overview, four quick actions that you can take that will help to make 2014 just a better year, how to have a great year. Here's the first one. Assume responsibility for your life. I've got to assume responsibility for my life personally. Now, that's not popular in our culture. In our culture, nobody's problems are their own fault. It's somebody else's. When we have a problem, we blame somebody. We blame the environment. We blame our family. You know, and after you're a certain age, that gets a little old, okay? Some point, you got to accept responsibility for yourself. Or we blame the government. We blame the Democrats. It's their fault. Or if you're a Democrat, we blame the Republicans. Or we all blame Obamacare, okay? That's, that's the problem in America today. I got an amen on that last night, but nothing here this morning. <laughs> or if it's not Obamacare, here's what, it's Phil Robertson. He's the, it's just ducks as a whole. <laughs> ducks are the problem. They have a dynasty going on. It's a problem in America. It's beards and ducks. You know, it's something like that. We want to blame somebody. You'll never be a success if that's your attitude. I love Galatians 6 and verse 5. Let's read it out loud. Everywhere in the campuses, everywhere here. Each person must be responsible for himself. Does that make sense? Each person must be responsible for himself. Somebody said responsibility is simply our response to his ability. Our response to his ability. In fact, here's the truth. There, you're going to have all kinds of circumstances this year. We, we can't predict that. There will be things that happen that you, you could never have planned on. As good as your plan is, you're going to have circumstances that will be surprising. Good news is they're not surprising to God. They're surprising to you. And as I've said many, many times, he's at work on the solution before we even know there's a problem. So it's not the circumstances that are so important. It's my choices always determine more than my circumstances. You can't control circumstances in the next 365 days. But you can control your choices, your actions, your reactions. And you can say, I'm going to choose to be different in 2014. 
Now, somebody said there are three types of people uh, in life. There are accusers. You, you know them. They always, you know, something happens, they've got to find out who did it, who did it, who did it. And it's somebody's fault. They're, they're, you see them at work. They're accusers. They want to accuse and, and lay the blame. The second uh, type of person are excusers. Excuse. They always got an excuse for something. Here's a rule of thumb. Somebody that's good, is it, good at excuses is usually not good for anything else. But they've got excuses. I read a little study yesterday. I think it was uh, careerbuilders.com, something like that. And they, they did a little thing and they said that uh, fully one-third, now this doesn't include seacoasters, but fully one-third of the workforce will call in sick this year with a phony excuse. Outside of Seacoast, we know that you guys are not that way. But one-third, one-third will call in with a phony excuse. And then they polled managers to find out what was the, 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 you know, the strangest excuses they'd heard. Here's some of them. I was ambushed by zombies, and so I'm not going to be able to come in today. My aquarium busted, and i got to save my fish. Garbage truck is on fire at the end of my driveway. Uh, there's a snake on my porch. My husband will be out sick today, Friday, and Monday. That's good. Um, <laughs> My wife got a terrible hair coloring job, and I've got to stay home to provide moral support. That's probably legit. Um, <laughs> I'm having a hair malfunction, bad hair day. I'm suffering from a sympathetic pregnancy. That's interesting. Had an out-of-town dental appointment. I gave up my seat on an airplane to an elderly person. Couldn't get it back for a few days or couldn't get back. My dog didn't wake me. My bird's sick. My grandmother died. That was the second time that person used grandmother dying in the same year, which is interesting. And then I like this one. I'm having trouble with my prostate. That was reported by a woman. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Proverbs 22 and verse 13 basically says a lazy man is full of excuses. So you've got accusers and excusers. Both of those are losers. And then you've got choosers. Choosers says, I'm choosing to take responsibility. It's not about my family. It's not about, you know, what happened to me last year or what the government did, what my job did. I'm going to take responsibility for myself. If you want to have a great year, that's the way to start. Let me give you a second thing. You got to decide what's important. You got to decide what's important. God has given us this incredible gift. It's called freedom to choose. We have the freedom to choose. We don't have the freedom to choose our circumstances, but we have the freedom to choose. It makes us most like God. In fact, Job 34 says it this way. We can choose the sounds we want to listen to. We can choose the taste we want in food, and we should choose to follow what is right. But first of all, we must define what is good. Most people never do that. Most people never stop and take time, think through, write down what is important? What really is important? What are my values? What are our values as a family? What's our values as a work group? What's our value as a company? See, you can't do what's important until you clarify what's important. Because here's what will happen is you'll get squeezed into the pressures of life. That's what's going to happen this year. That's what happened last year and the year before. You'll get squeezed into the pressures of life and you'll just kind of exist and go through and the year will be over and you'll look back and you'll say, what was different? What got done? Values determine your vision. Desires determine your direction. What's important? What really matters? See, most people say, here's what I want. I want to be happy. 
You ever heard that? I want to be happy this year. They never sit down and, and figure out what will make me happy. What does God want me to do with my life? And so let me give you an assignment. This is for everybody. Write down two things. Number one, what do I value? What do I value? Number two, what do I want to change? If you'll make those your prayer list, this year you can watch God do miracles in your life. Now, as Christians, the choices that we have for 2014 is not good versus evil most of the time. It's not do I have a quiet time or murder my mother-in-law. You know, it's, it's, it's just not like that. It's not that those, I mean, well, maybe after the Christmas break, you spent a little too much time together, and there may have been some thoughts, and it may, might have been vice versa. Your mother-in-law may have wanted to murder your son-in-law or whatever, you know. But that's usually not our issue. Our issues have to do with good and better and better and best. Am I going to do what's good or am I going to do what's better? Am I going to do what's better or am I going to do what is best? And some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're, not just, they're just not necessary. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 23 says everything is permissible. I, I can remember growing up in a, um, in a very legalistic environment, you know, to be honest with you. Grew up in a church, I've told you before, uh, we had a whole long list of things that we were against. We knew what we were against. We weren't real clear about what we were for, but we had a real clear list of what we were against. And I can remember coming to a, a point in my relationship with God Realizing that was law, that was legalism, and that there was just a whole lot more that was permissible than what I thought. And the verse says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. See, some things aren't necessarily wrong, they're just not necessary. And so what we've got to do is we've got to say, in this new year, what are three or four things to concentrate on? What's really, really important? What will last? See, lots of things are urgent, but they're not important. So where do you get your example? Jesus. We want to learn from Jesus. Jesus is our example in everything. So how did Jesus grow? Let's take Jesus' example and let's kind of make that as a, as a pattern for each of us this year. In Luke 2 and verse 52, let's read this one out loud. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Four ways Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew intellectually, okay? Intellectually. And so, intellectually, uh, we, we say this. We say, what do I want to learn in 2014? This is a little exercise I did several years ago. Somebody just this past week said, hey, when you did that, and I did it and took it seriously, they said I took it seriously, and it changed the course of my life. So I, I want to, let's do this together for just a few minutes. What am I going to learn intellectually in 2014? Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 8 says, do yourself a favor and learn all you can. And then remember what you learn and you will prosper. Isn't that good? Learn all you can. Remember what you learn and you'll prosper. God wants you to prosper intellectually. Somebody said leaders are learners. And when you stop learning, you stop being a leader. And I believe that Christians, as Christians, we ought to be the leaders in this area. We ought to be constantly learning, constantly developing 
See Vernon Migsy Jensen, they're my heroes in some things around here. These guys are, are heroes in the Lord and, and uh, in the you know, golden years of, of life and, and uh, always learning, always learning, always learning. Vern, you're writing a new book on how to date or something like that, I think. <laughs> 80 years old, he's writing a book on how to have a great dating life. I want to read the book. I think it's great. Listen, on the last day of my life, I want to learn something before I die. We ought to be learners. We ought to be growing. We ought to be leaders in this area as believers because we're the most hope-filled people on the planet. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. There is always hope. There's always hope. So we ought to learn, 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 learn. What's your goal to learn? You need to have a book reading goal. And I'm not going to say you need to. That's just, I put ought to. It'd be a good idea to have a book reading goal, okay? I set one earlier this week. So I'm going to read this many books this year. I'm going to check them off as we go. And I'm going to read uh, ESPN and Sports Illustrated every day. <laughs> and uh, that's not the books, but that's part of my uh, goal for this year. Uh, educational goals. Financial goals. I sat down this week. I said, I want, to be, I want to be more wise, more wise than I am now with my finances and set financial, financial goals. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in coming weeks when we talk about finances, how it impacts our life. Uh, a learning, uh, learn a skill. I just want to, I want to get better intellectually. A year from today, you're smarter than you are right now. Jesus grew intellectually. He grew Physically, in stature, he grew physically. What will improve my health in 2014? Maybe it's to lose weight. Anybody relate to that? Okay. Going to lose a little bit of weight. Go to bed earlier. I'm doing okay with that. But one, of my, one of my buddies I grew up with from Colorado texted me on New Year's Eve. It's 9.15. He texts me and he says, you and Debbie going out tonight or are you staying in? I said, well, currently I'm in bed getting ready to go to sleep. Uh, I'm sure the ball will drop, and I'll read about it tomorrow. But uh, anyway, whatever. You know, that's doing good there. So changing eating habits, exercising, walking, whatever it is. The Bible is full of health tips, and we're going to do that in the fourth week of this series. Here's one for today. Proverbs 17:22. Being cheerful keeps you healthy. Being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Have you know that? So for some of you, God's health tip for 2014 is this, lighten up. <laughs> lighten up. Laugh more. Laugh at yourself. You might as well, everybody else is. Okay, you just don't know that. Lighten up. That's a health tip. Don't sweat the small stuff. Jesus grew spiritually in favor with God, spiritually? What will deepen my relationship to God? What one thing would make a big difference? Because we get just bogged down in this stuff. You know, I, I need to do this and this. And hey, by the way, as I was sitting, going through some of these things for me in the last two weeks, I had, to real, I had to very regularly go, is this a goal that I think I should set, that I think God would have me set, or is this something that somebody else thinks? Or is this from some guilty you know, thing about whatever. You got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of that. And with spirituality, it can get real complicated. You know, you, you should do this, you should do this, you should, no, 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 no. What's one thing? 
What's one thing that will help me grow deeper? See, this is not one thing that will make God love me more because God loves me all he's ever going to love me right now. We're not talking about, you know, having God love me more. No, it's, it's so that I can, I can experience more of what God has for me. What's one thing? One thing, just one thing to make a difference. Or what's this? What have you known to do but you keep putting off? Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe that's one step early this year that you can do. There are hundreds of us that have made commitments to Christ last year. Uh, But many of us haven't been baptized yet. On the 26th of January or the weekend of the 26th, we're going to have baptism at all of our campuses. And for some of us right now, you just need to, on this spiritual side, that may just write it down. Hey, I need to be first in line to take the obedience test of baptism, or maybe it's to commit to the church, you know, just quit visiting and really become a, a, a contributing part of the church. Uh, I'm going to go to the inside track, which is kind of the first step in doing that here at this church. I know some of our campuses have the first inside track the first week of February here at Long Point. It's this week. If, you're, if you haven't connected with the church yet, go to the inside track following the services. Um, join a small group. Maybe it's tithing or quiet time or worship. Or um, just let me let me talk about worship just a minute. Uh, at a lot of our campuses, the first Wednesday of every month, and this month it's going to be the, this coming Wednesday because first Wednesday was the first of the year, January first. But first Wednesday is a night devoted just to worship, and I know for for some people that has been a catalyst of more growth than anything else in their life. I know for me, it's just an incredible thing. Maybe one thing that you could do is if you haven't been to a First Wednesday service, try one. It might be the thing for you this year that, you know, propels some growth. And it, for others, maybe not. Um, th- this First Wednesday, we have one here. At the campuses, you have one there. Or if you don't have one at your campus, you can go online, uh, seacoast.org, and, and worship live with the one here. That might be something that you want to do as taking a next step. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go uh, through a church-wide fast for the next 21 days, starting sundown uh, tonight. Uh, we'll be a, a fast, and we just invite as many of you that want to, to join it. What it does is it helps us to tune in to God just a little bit more. It's exciting. I look forward to it every year because it's just like a turbocharged 21 days of going deeper with God. What does it mean to fast? Some, some people do a Daniel fast, which is food you know, and fast uh, certain types of food. You can look it up on the internet. Uh, other people, you know, fast a meal a day. Or some people, it's not even about food. It's about social media. I mean, that's just consuming. And so for 21 days, you just unplug in order to connect with God and, and hear God. And, uh, so you may want to do that. And by the way, don't be the fast police for somebody else. You have no idea. You see them in a restaurant. You go, oh, hypocrite. You're, you know, no. No, 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 no. You're not the Holy Spirit. Okay? Unless you're married to somebody and then you might be their Holy Spirit. I, I don't know. But no, you're not. You're not. You're not. Just let God deal with everybody. For me, the one thing this year, I'll just tell you what it is, is meditation. It's meditation. It's just one word, meditation. You say, ooh, that sounds like, you know, Hindu or Buddhist. Yeah, it is. It's also Christian. Difference in Christian meditation and other kinds is you don't just clear your mind, but you fill your mind with a piece of God's word. And my, my battery, I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I'm not suggesting for anybody else. Uh, my battery runs really fast. I have a thought a minute and all kinds of ideas and, 
you know, depending on what I ate the night before, they're really incredible. And, um, and so this year what the Lord is saying to me is, the one thing I want you to do, sometimes it's read through the whole Bible. You know, this year it's not. This year it's meditation. It's taking small bits and just learning to meditate on little pieces of God's word, little thoughts that God will give me. And I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've, I've done it periodically in the past, but this year I want to get really good. I think it's a thing that will get me deeper. And you say, well, I'd never know how to meditate. Do you know how, how many of you know how to worry? You know how to worry? That's meditation. It's just meditation on the wrong thing. Okay, and so you're going to learn how to meditate a little bit more on God's word. Uh, get something specific that you're going to do. First, 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all it means to, to grow spiritually, is to get better acquainted with our Savior and Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? Let me break it down. Just, I'm just going to give you a bunch of different ideas. Just take one. Just take one. I was driving this week trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's a practical thing? And I heard the Lord from a Walmart. It happens a lot. I don't go into Walmart at that particular, but it's just there's an aura as I drive past and I felt, felt God. And here's what I thought. I thought, you know what? You could take the Lord's Prayer. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, it's right in heaven, okay? So just take the Lord's Prayer and think about that. There are so many nuggets in there that you could break off and be kind of your plan for spiritual growth this year. Um, our Father. So maybe you take a few weeks and just study what does the Father, what does it mean to be Father God? Uh, Chip Judd, one of our pastors here a couple of years ago, um, gave me some ideas on that. He said, why don't you take this summer and just have your, your prevailing thought be, God is your Father. And I'm telling you what, it changed the way I looked at some things in my own life. Maybe that's something you want to do. Which art in heaven? Which art in heaven? You know, a great study would be uh, heaven. What is heaven like? Um, there are some great resources for that. Um, Randy Alcorn has written best book I've ever read. On, it's just called Heaven. And if you happen to be in a situation or you know somebody that's in a situation where maybe a doctor has said, you know, uh, there, there's, there's a time, there's an end. We all know that through prayer, God can do anything. But the truth is, we all have an end date, and for some of us, it just seems to be maybe it's more concrete than others. Great study is heaven. It will bring the reality of heaven to you. So our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Maybe take a little bit of time and study the names of God. How does God reveal himself through his name? That's a great study. I did that one year. Uh, your kingdom come. What does the kingdom of God means? Jesus talked more about the kingdom than he did anything else except for perhaps money. He talked about the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do I know God's will? Maybe you want to study that for a little while. Give us this day our daily bread. Faith. Do a study on faith. What does it mean to be dependent on God and test me in this God? Grow in that area. Forgive us our debts. Maybe you want to talk about forgiveness and, or just study that a little bit. Or maybe it's debts. What does the Bible say about finances? As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation. Study on temptation. Deliver us from evil. That's spiritual warfare. Maybe you want to study that a little bit. Um, for yours is the kingdom, the power. Study the power of God and the glory, the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. I just outlined about 12, 12 things you could study just from the Lord's Prayer. Some of your overachievers, maybe take one a month. 
But what, the point I'm making is just do one thing. Say, God, what's the one thing you want me to do to dive deeper in you spiritually? What will deepen my relationship with God? Then relationally, what will be my ministry to others in 2014? See, God doesn't bless selfishness. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help others. We'll do a whole message on that during this series. Anytime you help someone else, it's called ministry. And 2014 may be a year just to get off the bench. Just go, I'll serve in the church, in the community, or in the world. Take responsibility. Decide what's important. Let me give you a third one. Don't wait to begin. Don't wait to begin. Three words that will change your life. Here it is. Do it now. Say it together. Do it now. Say it one more time. Do it now. Three words that will change your life. Do it now. There will never be ideal circumstances to begin to change. Love Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Do you agree with that? You say, well, here's what I hear. Pastor, when things settle down. Newsflash, they're not going to settle down. They're not. When things settle down, I'll read my Bible. You'll never read your Bible. When things settle down, I'm going to spend more time with the kids. You won't. They'll be grown. In fact, they are the things that are causing the unsettledness. <laughs> going to have to learn to do it in imperfect circumstance. When things settle down, I'm going to reestablish the romance with my spouse. Right. Your love will be dead on the vine when things settle down. Life must be enjoyed under imperfect circumstances. Get on with it now. Things won't settle down until you achieve room temperature and they throw dirt on you. Then it will be settled. <laughs> until then, it's not. It's how we live. Here's a problem. Perfectionism. Perfectionism is the root of procrastination. We procrastinate procrastinate because we can't get it exactly right. I want it exactly right. And I'm preaching to me right now. I'm a perfectionist. I'm constantly trying to fix, fix, fix and make it better, better, better. And sometimes you just put off stuff if you can't do it the right way. And so we put off setting goals. You know that less than 5% of people in America have anything written down, any written goals, less than 5%. Now those 5% are more prosperous uh, have a better quality of life in a lot, of, a lot of ways. There are studies on that. But less than 5% because we procrastinate. Someone told me last night, they said, continual improvement beats postponed perfectionism. Would you agree with that? Continual improvement beats postponed perfection. Now, some of you today are going to get motivated. <laughs> yeah, this is good stuff, and it will not happen. You will get out the door you will get distracted the moment you get to the parking lot. You will never do anything that I'm talking about here today. And so I'm going to make you do it now because I love you <laughs> and I care. Part of the response time is going to be taking one thing, just one, and going, okay, here's one thing I'm going to do. Here's one thing that really matters. I'm going to take responsibility for I'm clarify. I'm going to do something about it, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I've tried this, I don't follow through, I don't have the power to change. You know what? You're right. And that's why you got to do the fourth thing. Expect God to help. Expect God to help. I love Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. 
If you're a believer, you have a power. Some of you don't even know about it. You've never tapped into it. But there is a strength, a mighty power that's within you. See, resolutions won't last two weeks without that verse. Here's another one, Philippians 4.13. There is nothing I cannot master without the help of Christ who gives me strength. I told you a few weeks ago I was frustrated about something and my assistant Kathy, I said, I just can't do that. And she said, who told you that? Who told you that? What she was saying is that Jesus didn't tell me that. God's word didn't tell me that. Because God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible is full of stories of people who changed because they believed they could after hearing from God. Moses, remember Moses? God wants to tap him to lead his people in the, in the largest exodus that's ever been. God came to Moses. Moses says, uh, I killed somebody and it wasn't good and people are still after me on that. And besides that, I stutter. I stutter. I can't do anything. Spending a little bit of time with God, Moses changed. Became arguably the greatest leader the world's ever known. Certainly the most humble leader the world's ever known. Remember the story of Gideon? I love Gideon. Wrote a book a couple of years ago. Very first chapter about Gideon. Because Gideon was this guy, he was just a normal, average, everyday guy, especially in his own mind. And he's, he's um, he got a little bit of a coward, actually. Minding his own business, hiding from the enemy. Angel of the Lord comes up to him, finds him, and his first words to Gideon are, mighty warrior. Gideon goes, say what? A mighty warrior? You don't know me. See, Israel has 12 tribes, and one of them is like the least of those. I'm in that tribe. And then in that tribe, there are a whole bunch of families, clans, and there's one that's just kind of the outcast. That's my family. And then in that family, there's one kid that's just worthless. <laughs> it's me. What he doesn't know is that God knows Gideon better than Gideon knows himself. God says, no, I have a mighty work for you. My plan is dependent on you. And God would say to you, in 2014, part of his plan depends on you. He may have a plan for your family. He may have a plan for the workplace that you live in. He may have a plan for your neighborhood. And part of it depends on you. And part of it depends on you seeing yourself as God sees you. You talking about yourself as God talks about you. I think of Jeremiah. God needed a spokesman to his people, and so who does he choose? He chooses a guy who is a teenager, number one, and who's depressed. He's depressed. You know, a lot of times when we're discouraged or we're depressed, and there's a lot of people that deal with that, just a lot of people. We go, you know, when I get through this, I'll, I'll do something great for God or even just try anything. And no, God says, no, I want to deal with you right there in your depression. Now, I can get you through that, but let's not wait till you're done. Maybe the process of me working through you will work through what you need done. Let's start right where you are. And Jeremiah was a depressed teenager. And God used him and he believed God. And he became something greater than what he thought he was. Well, here's the good news. The good news in 2014 is that God wants to use you. The time is passing on the clock of your life. What are you going to do 
Nothing was impossible. What would you attempt for God? I want to challenge you to take responsibility. Take responsibility. Clarify what you want. Begin today. And then expect God to help. And if you will, I think we'd be amazed at what God would do through us in this next 365 days. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the fact that you care about us, that you intimately created each one of us. There's potential that's greater than what we're exhibiting right now. God, would you help us just to take the next step, just not everything at once, just the next step to clarify what is important. Take some time just to write down what you may be saying to us about next steps this coming year. God, we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.